But when our second born was coming, I was like, hey, why don't you consider staying home with the kids? And I don't know where that came from at all. But it came out and it was kind of a thing where it's like your income would basically be washed by childcare. So let's try this out. And then you can still pursue music and the arts while home with the kids. And so I think at first he was probably offended by that suggestion, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) I was. Is that just because like the masculine, like gender norm? Yeah, something like that. Well, I mean, I've been having issues like manhood issues my whole entire life. Like, am I man enough for this? Did my father prepare me for this? Like, I don't know. And now you want me to come home? You know what I'm saying? And what am I going to breastfeed? Like, I was so irritated. Like, what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, not not really knowing that the baby would indeed try to suck my nipple. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was going to happen. But I didn't really respect what stay-at-home moms did. I didn't know. You know, so I was kind of like, what am I supposed to do? Like, just sit home all day? Like, oh, this is going to be so boring. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is your host, Jeff. And co-host? Yeah, you're a co-host. What? Why do I like, got to be the co? I mean, I'm kind of the host. Why can't I be the host? Because I always start the thing. Like, the host is the one that starts. Remember that one time you tried to I start I don't it? believe it, but I'm Andre and I'm also a host. Oh, so I'm a co-host now? No, we can just be the host. With the S? Hosts. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. It is the start of a new month, June. Oh, boy. Yeah. 2020 has just been the weirdest, fastest slash slowest year ever. It really has. There's like <laughs> the beginning of quarantine or whatever was like the longest month ever. Yeah. And then the next month like flew. And then the next, it's just, it's weird. It feels yeah. like one month is so slow. And then the next month flies. Yeah. I don't understand. But all the dates are blurring. The weeks are blurring. I don't even, it's like, you don't know what day it is. But you kind of know, and you got to keep doing stuff. Got to keep doing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I got to keep doing these interviews. You got to keep the kids alive. We are in the thick of all the things for these interviews and the kids alive. And And summer. And summer. And And what do we do with these kids all summer? Oh, my goodness. Every (laughs) single plan we had this summer. Canceled. Every camp. Canceled. Every vacation canceled. canceled. Everything fun canceled. canceled. <laughs> so what do you do now? Uh, you I get, don't know. You listen to this podcast because it's going to be a good one today for it, sure. It'd be interesting. You know, all these devices we have, they all listen to us. So I wonder if that's like the most unusual word that they found for the years, like canceled. It's used more than any other year ever. <laughs> that would be interesting to yeah. see no, the but, tracking of that word. But let me tell you what is not canceled. Not this podcast. Our love. Oh. oh, it was so deep. It was cute. You oh my goodness! Love, and I'm like talking about our podcast. I can do a juke anytime to get no. it back to you and me, baby. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I am very excited about who we have today because they are two of my favorite people. Today we have Yvette and Glenn Henry, who started. Uh, Glenn started Belief in Fatherhood which is an amazing YouTube channel, videos of him and his kids um, as he was a stay-home dad, and just really talking about the importance of fatherhood. And then they also both have a podcast called How Married Are You? And it's just real talk between them two discussing topics that maybe they had never really even talked about themselves, but they are talking and sharing in real time, which is really cool. And then even more, they have a documentary coming out on June 19th called Dads. And you should look them up. It will be on Apple TV+. Plus. He's with like all these famous dads. No, Will Smith. And that's the only name I heard. That- <laughs> that's, you've always kind of had a little. No, because I really love him and Jada together. Oh, yeah. 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 They're like. 
I've told you the my ultimate interview that I oh, want. Really? Yeah. Well, let's Besides make that happen. the Obamas. <laughs> let's see who else. Keep going. And the ultimate Oprah. interview, except for this person and that person and this person. <laughs> no, um, so yeah. We yeah. got to check out that documentary. Well, yeah, I want you to listen for three things today in this interview. It's just really honest interview. Um, first, the idea of juggling. Second, throwing dirty diapers at your kids. Yeah, sounds like a good time right there. <laughs> number three, uh, this idea that Glenn really found his purpose through this project. And yeah. um, it's kind of fun to hear hear him say this. So um, here we go. Let's, let's get right to it. This is Yvette and Glenn Henry. Hey, before we get started, I just want to make one little little plug in here. Take one quick second to ask for your help. I know you're listening wherever you are right now in your car. Maybe you're on a run. Maybe you're trying to get away from your kids for a minute. But we need your help. We have a book coming out in August, and we need, we need people like you to help us launch this project. Um, so if you're interested in being part of our launch team, we really need your help. So reach out to us in any form possible. You can go to our website, join the launch team. You can email us, info at loverwork.com. You could just message us through Instagram, whatever it is. If you want to raise your hand and say, hey, I want to help launch this. We feel like this book is really important and um, we need people like you to join it. So here we go. Let's get it. And here's the interview. I think to say it was a fall in love would be not correct. It was a very logical decision. <laughs> it was like, I think we like each other and let's see how this goes. So basically we met, um, I was DJing at Point Loma where she was a student mm -hmm. and uh, she was a part of the BSU there, Black Student Union. And I was DJing there and she would help me take my equipment to the car. And it was very indifferent. Like it wasn't like we were pursuing each other. She was just nice. And I was going to meet some girl. So I was like, help me. You know what I'm saying? Thanks for the help. And then um, a few years later, her godbrother would need a DJ for his wedding. And she hit me up. And so after that first interaction where I did my little consultation with them, we just started texting and chatting. And I wanted to see if she could hang out with me and my friends to get to know her a little bit. And then she was like, well, I'd rather just hang out with you. And so we went on like our first date at Starbucks <laughs> and I was extremely broke at the time and all I had was like a $5 gift card for Starbucks so I was hoping whatever she ordered was under $5 <laughs> and <laughs> I got a water. The good thing is I was fully prepared to pay for my own drink. Mm. Like I didn't think it was a... <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. If I would have knew that <laughs> I would have me a little something sweeter, you know what I'm saying? Not just the water. So then after that we went to walk on the pier, which is in Oceanside, and we just kind of walked and talked and we just gradually had this conversation. By the end of the pier we were asking each other really deep questions. Where do you see yourself in five years? And then we just started to hang out. I just was like, okay, we need to have like the DTR, define a relationship conversation. I'm going to just say, hey, I think we like each other. I'm not, I'm just going to throw this out here. I think we like each other and I'm thinking we should probably move forward with this. This was on the pier? Like right no. oh, Okay. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, like two weeks, three weeks later, I think. Because sometimes it can get real fuzzy and you don't necessarily know. Because I've been in the friend zone plenty of times. You know what I'm saying? So I'm familiar with these parts. So <laughs> I was like, uh, it seems like this. I don't want to be too forward, but I think you like me and I think <laughs> I like you. So let's just see where this is going. And it was very logical. Like, yes, I, I do like you. Let's see where this is going. Yeah. So we started hanging out in January. We had the DTR in March, March 13th, 2009. We became official. Mm -hmm. And then he put a ring on layaway in June. June. Wow. And then we were engaged by December and married by the following August. Yeah. It was one of those things. It was more of a, a I don't want to say it was just logical. I feel like there was love involved for sure. Yeah. But yeah, like I just fell in love with the man of God that he was, like the heart that he had for the Lord and just the way that he served those people around him, the way that the young men around him admired him. I minored in youth ministry when I was in college. Well, I minored in it and then dropped it so I could graduate early. But <laughs> yeah, my heart has always been for youth ministry and I got to see him live that out. And so I think that that is a huge part of what attracted me to him as well. But he was just genuine and real. And I never had to really guess <laughs> what he was thinking never. 
or how he felt. And so I honestly did not expect to get married so soon. So how old were you all? I was 23. And I was 25. Mm-hmm. And you've been married almost 10 years now? In August, it will be 10 years. Yeah. Wow. wow. With four kids, right? Four kids. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Shaking your head. And what are their ages? <laughs> Seven. Uriah will be six next month. Three and 11 months. You got the littles still. Yeah. It's really fun because everything's discovery. Yeah. And we're just realizing how different the kids are from the other kids. You know what I mean? It's like, so you see some similarities and you just see like, what is going on with you? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You were just totally different. And I didn't know they make them like this. <laughs> <laughs> you bet you've been working for a while and Glenn, you've been staying home with the kids. Is that kind of how things started with the kid and a work? home life going on? Yeah, that's how it kind of started. Glenn was working when our first son was born. And then when our second son was about to be born, we were kind of just having a conversation because it was at the point where I would ask Glenn, hey, how was your day? Like, how was work or whatever? And he's just like, if you ask me that one more time, <laughs> like yeah. I would get so irritated. He just didn't want to talk about that part of his life. And so I realized how miserable he was with working and the jobs that he had. And he kind of never had like a career. It was just a job that, you know, he did because that's what you do. And when our second born was coming, I was like, hey, why don't you consider staying home with the kids? And I don't know where that came from at all. But it came out and it was kind of a thing where it's like your income would basically be washed by childcare. So like, let's try this out. And then you can still pursue music and the arts while home with the kids. And so I think at first he was probably offended by that suggestion, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) I was. Is that just because like the masculine, like gender norm? Yeah, something like that. Well, I mean, I've been having issues like manhood issues my whole entire life. Like, am I man enough for this? Did my father prepare me for this? Like, I don't know. And now you want me to come home? You know what I'm saying? And what am I going to breastfeed? Like, I was so irritated. Like, what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, not not really knowing that the baby wouldn't be try to suck my nipple. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was going to happen. But I didn't really respect what stay-at-home moms did. I didn't know. You know, so I was kind of like, what am I supposed to do? Like, just sit home all day? Like, oh, this is going to be so boring. Is that not how it turned out? (laughs) Uh, You guys know, you guys understand, like you're tired is tired. You know what I mean? And you never feel like you achieve anything and you just look in the mirror like, okay, I guess this is it, you know? And you have to affirm yourself in so much more Mm. and you can't really communicate. So Yvette and I, I was trying to tell Yvette, I would say, I'm not doing well. And she'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Like she didn't get it. I mean, like fast forward. Now when she tells me she's not doing well, I'm like, Got it. I, 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 I genuinely believe that we experienced that season in order for me to do well in this season. You're saying with your role reversal now. Yeah. So like where Glenn was the first person to stay home with the kids full time. And then I transitioned into becoming the full time stay at home parent. But I think with his experience, like he said, going into being a stay at home parent, he believed like, ah. Uh, this is going to be easy. Like, what do they do all day anyway? And then he got to experience that for a couple, a few years. And then I came home and now I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm just like, at the end of the day, I'm spent. And then I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's so nice to be married with someone who actually truly knows how I feel right now. Tell us about how it feels when you're staying home with the kids and you're a man doing it. And this idea, like I've had other friends who's men who stay home and it's really hard getting a community of people because it's mostly moms and how you do these play dates and how you, it's like, it's a struggle. Did you feel that at all? Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't have any friends, you know, it was maybe a couple later on because we had kids a little bit earlier in our community, but there was like one other guy. Eventually you feel lonely. You feel like an outcast. You go to the park. No one talks to you. There's a bunch of moms there. And my girlfriends were stay-at-home parents and they'd invite him to play games. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? One, it's like, I wanted to be developing this relationship with you. Then it's like, how does your husband feel about that? You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't really feel comfortable. And then like being a dad at a playground in California is one thing, right? 
being a black dad at a playground in California is totally different. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, yeah. Like, so I'm there playing with my kids and I'm the dad playing with his kids. And then other kids come up to me, throw me in the air. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It just makes me uncomfortable. So I wouldn't even go to the park a lot. We stand in the house. We're going to make sports. We're going to throw wipes at each other. I'm going to take all the dirty diapers. I'm going to toss them at you. We're going to put, you know, underwear on our head. Like, we're just going to have fun at the house. And so I became an extreme homebody, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And switch now to Yvette. How's your experience being home now with the kids? Post-COVID or? <laughs> right? It's hard. I don't want to discount Glenn's experience, but I feel like, you know how like most stay-at-home parents, they get to start with like one kid, they get a rhythm, and then they add another kid and they get a rhythm. Yeah. And it you was kind of for me, in. I just got thrown in with three kids and I threw myself in, but I got thrown in <laughs> with three kids. I feel like I never really fully got my footing with it all. Yeah, it was just a lot of work. And then we added homeschool onto that. And so it's just been a lot. And then there's like this whole identity issue that I have. I was wondering about how that felt like leaving work. Yeah. And that kind of identity that you kind of get with a work experience. I was a good teacher. <laughs> like I, before I came home, I was a math teacher and I was good at it. And I knew what to do and I knew how to adjust when I wasn't doing well. And there were just things that were easy to figure out. There was ways to measure success. There were relationships that were mutually understood. And like there was like a mutual exchange that was fulfilling. And I'm not saying that that wasn't the case with my children, but when I came home, it's like the children don't really, it's, it's a thankless job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not very much gratitude. There's not very much reasoning with like a four and three and a baby. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot to adjust to. And so I'm someone who likes to be able to measure success and weigh things. Progress in some way. Yeah. Like, how are we doing here? But every year it just seems to get more and more challenging. As an observer, I watch your videos and listen to your podcast periodically. And you guys are really good at living your life online as much as you want to share with us. You have this like casualness about you, but then you both have very strong opinions. Is that a good way to explain? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think so. So how do you two work through that? Because I think I, I feel like you and you share that with all of us. Like you have different views on a lot of things when you disagree with each other on something. How do you work through that? I think what's interesting about the podcast, what we're experiencing is we're literally experiencing it for the first time in front of you. And so we don't necessarily know that we're going to (laughs) disagree. We're kind of like, really? I didn't know you felt that way. I didn't know this is how you thought. And uh, we were just talking about this last night is that like, we're literally getting to relearn each other and getting to re-know each other every single season. Who she is as the mother of four is different from who she is as mother of three or from a working mom, you know? So I'm literally with a new person, I feel. It's like this this thing of discovery that I think that's interesting about relationships is that everybody wants to be known. And like, when you think someone knows you, you trust them, right? So it's like, yeah, you know that I don't like onions on my sandwich or something like that, you know what I'm saying? But like in a season of pregnancy, she might be like, yeah, actually I want onions. You're like, well, I thought you didn't like onions. You know what I'm saying? And it's like... (laughs) You got to know someone. So I think the interesting thing is like you kind of have to be in a place of discovery all the time with your partner. I don't think we'll ever get comfortable with the fact that we share our lives like we do. I think it's a burden mm-hmm. that we both have. Like the most basic things that we need to know about, we never learn because people don't like to share the intimate moments. You know, they don't right. like to share those true times of struggle. And I was listening to Will Smith talk and he was saying how, you know, he got this like flat screen TV and it came in like a thousand parts or something like that. And he had this huge manual. And then right as he was putting together the TV, one of his children was being born. He abandoned the TV, went to the hospital. They had the baby. Two days later, he came back and was like, dang, I got all these pieces for the TV. And the manual. And the manual. But I have this baby and I have nothing. (laughs) We don't have very good proof that we can do this. And so for people like myself who grew up really in a single parent home and there wasn't a lot of moms and dads living together, 
like having examples is super important. Having proof is super important. I just don't think we had that. And so we live our lives in this current stage because I don't think we're going to be able to do this forever, especially because of some of the conversations we've been having recently. You know, we are trying to be proof for these people in the current stage. Mm. That's good. I feel like there's like beauty in that vulnerability and that openness. I'm sure that there's a lot of heartache with it too. I mean, even us, like we've been trying to write this book, we really value like the really honest, vulnerable parts. But then there's parts that we think about with our kids when they grow up and they look back and read this book, like, mom, why you put that in here? Like, why you gotta do that to us? And so I just wonder if you guys feel some of that too, a little bit. I I think about it all the time. Like, man, this actually, because we know what happens to Disney kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know what happened to people who grew up in front of our eyes on Disney and it didn't work out well. But we have no idea what happens to the kids of the Internet. You know, not yet anyway. And so we're about 10 years out from seeing the first wave being like, ooh, that probably wasn't a good idea. And so I, I totally understand that. What my issue is, is that I feel like I can't not tell you what I'm thinking. You know, and that's kind of like a gift and a curse. And it frustrates people who who love me. I'm like, nah, this is just what it is. And I'm going to have to have that conversation with my children. Like, yo, um, I chose to do this. You know what I mean? And I do care about how it makes you feel. However, this is something that I felt like we had to do as a family. And I'm looking forward to having that conversation. And I'm looking forward to them being like, bro, I need counseling. You know what I'm saying? I don't necessarily know, you know, if this is worth it. Yeah. It feels like your journey, you were doing hip hop, you were doing all these other things, your music, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you found yourself teaching other people about fatherhood, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sure that wasn't the long-term plan you had back when you got married at 25, you know? When you yeah. talk on your peer about your five-year plan, yeah. how is this different? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah. But it seems like this is now, like even in how you were explaining, like I didn't have examples growing up. Is this like part of you kind of like walked into, wow, this is like a mission that I have. How would you explain that process, the realization for the two of you on that journey? We recently shared a conversation online that we had with our boys about basically how they might be perceived as Black boys and men in America. And in hindsight, I kind of wish we handled that situation differently just because I feel like my oldest son wasn't able to fully be vulnerable with that conversation because he was aware of the cameras. Mm -hmm. He later came up to me and was like, I was going to cry, but, and then he didn't get to finish the conversation, but it was basically, I was going to cry, but I knew the cameras were looking at me. So I didn't want to cry. And so I've been wrestling with that for the past 24 hours. Like, man, like, what are we doing here? But at the same time, I believe that at some point in our children's lives, even if they are going to have to sit on a therapist's couch or talk with a counselor or whatever, that we will be able to explain to them what we didn't have Mm -hmm. growing up that we wish we had and what we are trying to be for the future generations, how we are impacting women and men who are looking forward to being married and having children and starting families because so many of the conversations we're having with our children and sharing so many of the conversations we're having with each other about our marriage and the things that we're experiencing in our marriage. We didn't know that these conversations were happening with our parents and other people that were around us. We didn't know how to navigate through these conversations. And so what we're doing is we are really trying to be the proof to let people know that like, dude, It's possible if you find someone you love and you are are going to choose to work through and grow through life with, it is worth it. And it won't be easy. It'll be super hard, but it'll be worth it. And so I guess we're just more of we're sharing our lives in this way because we want other people to have a realistic view of what marriage is and what parenting is and what being a woman is and what being a man is in the season of fatherhood and motherhood or whatever, business um, business owners, however it is, we just kind of want to give people an insight so that they can have realistic expectations of what it might look like. And 
so that if they are in a similar season, a parallel season as we are, that they know the things that they're thinking, experiencing, feeling are not just them. It's not just you. Mm. It's all of us. And it's okay. (laughs) What happens when we share our transparency, vulnerability in conversations, people are like watching like, wow, I didn't know you could disagree with someone and not leave. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if someone would have said that to me, I'd be out. And so it's kind of like, wait a minute, you guys are angry with each other, but you guys still just talked about it for like a whole hour and gave each other a kiss at the end. You know what I mean? So there's that. And then there's another level of like, I've seen things that I was like, man, I really want to do that. Or that looks fun. But I've never found something I was willing to like risk my life for. And this is kind of like, oh, I, I would die here. Yeah. Like I would die so that people know how valuable their position is as a father. Like I would die so that other children know that, yo, you can look forward to being married. Like I'm willing to like put my life on the line for this. And I've never felt like that about anything. I love hearing that. That is powerful. If you uh, were sitting with a dad and you're like, if I could just say this thing to them that would maybe change a perception for them or how they operate, what do you wish they would take away? Man, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm learning so much in this season that I'm going to change my mind. Just so you know that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be like, just do this one thing. And then later on, I'm going to be like, man, don't do that. You know what I mean? So, you know, right now, a lot about what I'm doing is about building legacy, right? So in this season, as we're sharing, the only reason I'm doing so much right now and we're doing so much is so that when we stop later on and I write a book, I'll have proof that you should buy the book. You know what I'm saying? This is like phase one of like a a three-part thing. I would really tell a lot of men and fathers to think about where they're putting their time and their efforts. You know what I mean? Like everything isn't going to grow in this season and it's okay to let some things fall. I think a lot of people talk about balancing work and life or work and family, but I think it's more like juggling and something at one time in this season is going to be falling. Just make sure you catch it, you put your hand on it and throw it back up. You know what I mean? So if you're juggling Something is always on the upswing. Something's always in your hand and something may be dropping a little bit. So it's about keeping that steady juggle, you know? Something that you guys talked about one time that really, really stuck with me was this idea of silent suffering. It was really powerful to me, I think, um, understanding like our relationship that there's sometimes where we each had to take turns and being okay with that and not being the leader in everything. Can you talk about this idea? During the portion of our marriage where I was working, Glenn was suffering in silence and he was doing it well, so well. Like when it's, it kind of hurts sometimes because he'll say like, we've had six years of a rough marriage, but in my mind, I don't count it as six years, but that's because he was suffering in silence. He does that better than I do. And I'm not giving him accolades for that at all. I'm just saying that that's just the reality of the situation. It, yeah, it's, it's a skill that you learn when you grow up abused. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't communicate. You're not allowed to. So you get really, really, really good at just like being quiet and just like rocking on your own, like, you know, crying on your own, like experiencing things on your own. Suffering in silence, you know, is just one of those things that is toxic, you know. And so I was trying to communicate, but I wasn't being heard. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so I don't know if Yvette had the tools to like help me, mm-hmm. right? Even when I did communicate, because she wasn't used to communication. It's just one of those things. It was a really rough season. But I know that if push comes to shove and she's not willing to change, I'll do better with her happy than she'll do better with me happy. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between the way that we suffer in silence, because I do feel like there have been moments in our marriage where I have experienced that same thing. But Mm -hmm. there does come a point where I will express the suffering and he is more, I feel like my, (laughs) this might be totally off, but I feel like whenever I'm suffering, There's like step-by-step ways you can like help ease my suffering. But the way that Glenn suffers, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know how to help you in your suffering. And Or you don't want to do what it'll cost. You don't want to pay the cost because it's too much. Yeah. And it it is too much because like sometimes it's really simple. It's like, yeah, I don't want to go to Christmas with these people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, that's not an option. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah. uh, I actually do not want to go. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to do well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like this person is your such and such, you know, and you have to be nice to your such and such. And I'm like, actually, I don't have to tolerate that behavior. And she's like, well, you kind of do because it's this person. And mm-hmm. so that's where it's like, there is step by there is a, there is a thing, but it, it costs too much. It's too big. And so I'll be like, I'm just going to be quiet. You know what I'm saying? And I'll just be quiet. Um, the reason why I asked a little bit about that. I mean, there's, there's obviously so many different spectrums and backstories that every person has that make up that place. But, you know, sometimes their own family of origin, their own family yeah. or backstories, whatever that looks like. I know there's a lot of introverted people that sit in that silence and never share what's really happening within them. And then on the flip side, it's like last fall, I, I really struggled a lot with anxiety. Actually, when I was with you at Plywood Presents last summer, it was one of my lowest moments in life, which is crazy. Man, you look um, cool as a cucumber, bro. Yeah, you, you didn't see me at six in the morning in that back room. Having a panic attack. Yeah, it was crazy. I think I ha- I've always had that, like, I'm, I'm a leader. I need to get this together. I, get, I just got to hold it together until I just broke. And I think the flip side was like, you didn't know how to fully help me either, right? Like there, there's a moment when in relationship, you're just like, man, you just got to get some help, Jeff. You know, like. I, and I also think it's different too. Like what you were saying, like your family of origin too. Like mine was a suck it up, buttercup, you'll make it. Like just power through type of thing. And so it's so easy to just use that on your partner, right? Or Glenn, you suffered at home silently in that home environment. So it's easy to just keep doing that for you since you've mm-hmm. learned it your whole life, you know? And so for me, it's super easy to just be like, dude, you just got to pull it together and we got to power through, like, <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. so it's interesting how you just use the things that you've always used. Yeah. Did you end up getting therapy? Like what happened to that situation? I actually went to like a really intensive therapy. I went away for a little while. So it was kind of a a week long. Yeah. I didn't have any interaction with Andre or the kids or anybody, um, except the people that were at this place. And it was really transformative for me. They gave me a lot of tools, definitely, of like when I get in that space, how to interact with it. So it was helpful for me. But anyway. But we're interviewing you. Now y'all are <laughs> y'all are not famous. You're dove, you're you're on dove commercials. You that like <laughs> that's kind of fun though right that's the fun part of this or is it It, it's the kind of surprising part because they're kind of like what are we doing yeah you know what i'm saying like it feels like imposters yeah it's like what are you guys doing you guys can't find any other people to do this you know what i mean but um no like the 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 favor yeah has been almost it's like breathtaking it's like why i don't i do not understand this like right now like it's surprising Oh my gosh. Cause it's like at one point, like I was on four different commercials, like at one time, it was a Dove commercial, American family insurance, a YouTube commercial. And then the spectrum commercial. I was like, man, they're going to find out. I'm in all these commercials and be like, yo, pull that dude from the thing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Why? You know? Um, but you know, it really is like, man, I just can't speak to like the Lord's favor. Right. Which I would like to say like the favor that the Lord has shown Glenn and the ministry of belief and fatherhood is another reason that we can kind of push forward with sharing our lives the way that we do. Because I feel like so many doors and opportunities have been opened and presented to him that it's like only God, you know? Yeah, like, but there are also doors that we're kind of like, nah, we ain't going through that. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? We're not doing sure. that. Yeah. So June 19th, uh, we have a movie coming out directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. She did a documentary called Dad's. And uh, Ron Howard's in it. Conan O'Brien, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy, Kimmel, Jimmy Will Fallon, Smith. Will Smith, Kenan Thompson, and all these other dads. And so um, because I was in that movie, Dove paid for that movie. So they were like, hey, we need a familiar face to put on some of the branding around this time when this movie comes out because we really want to promote it. And I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're like, you're the guy we want to use, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they came out, did a photo shoot, and they've been using our, our stuff. 
we've seen a lot of success in that area. Now that is not, that was never the goal. Like the goal yeah. was never to be on a commercial. And what we told our brother, Anthony O'Neill on his podcast was don't, don't get caught up by symptoms of success. Like these are just what happens when you work. This is a byproduct of work. This is not the goal. You know, the goal isn't to go viral. The goal is to impact fatherhood, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And change marriages and have people look forward to these stages and not be fearful. The goal is not to be on a commercial, you know, mm-hmm. those are just opportunities. Mm-hmm. So what are you working on that we don't know about? What's the fun things that you're dreaming about? Your marriage right now? <laughs> yeah. Marriage during quarantine? Yeah. Like, I think we're, you know, we are starting couples therapy. I think I'm really trying to hammer any to event like what we have right now and like how important this season is that we work together. And I've been saying it over and over and over again for months in different types of ways. And I think that that's really what I'm focused on in this season. I don't believe that I'm going to be able to move forward in the ways that I think I should move forward without her support. And I think she's, she's in survival mode and we're just in two different places there. You're in survival. It's hard to dream. Yeah. It's hard to go forward and dream Hmm. when you're just trying to make it day by day. I'm basically trying to help her in the day by day so that we can think about these other things, you know? Um, But, you know, my help is different. You know, I do stuff like a guy does it. You know what I mean? She And she's controlling. So she's like, uh, what the heck? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want your help. I'll be mad about it. <laughs> my own, you know? Um, don't mm-hmm. help me with the dishwasher. Don't help me with this. Like, just play with the kids, you know? <laughs> Stay out of the way. You know and I'm like? No, I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So you now are both home and hoping to work together more. Is that the goal? Yeah. For one of us, yeah. <laughs> Your best, like, I'm not there yet. I had become a businessman. You know, naturally, I don't necessarily want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to sit home, eat burritos, watch The Office 24-7. I don't want to do this. But it's a burden. I feel like it's a calling on my life, right? I, I feel like I cannot not speak. I cannot not say something. I have to live my life out loud. Like, I can't be quiet here. Have you always been more private, Yvette? Has this been like a big stretch for you? Yeah. You know, the the interesting thing is I am a very private person, but one-on-one I'll share with you whatever you want to, whatever you need to know in order to like empower you or encourage you in whatever. But when you like put me on a screen and expose me that way to where people can like record it, screen record it and then share it and, you know, like in places. And then like, I feel like I'm a, I'm someone who cares about how people perceive me. And so if I don't have control of that perception, it makes me very uncomfortable. And so even though I know like my heart and who I am and what we have been called to, still sometimes I get misinterpreted and it's very uncomfortable for me to even like experience that. And it doesn't even happen that much where I know about it, but it happens and it's like, ugh, mm-hmm. it's icky. It just doesn't make me feel good. But I know that there's a greater good that's happening that's, that we're serving. And so I feel like I've, I've grown so mm-hmm. much in how much I'm willing to share and how I'm willing to play my role in the sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys do with the criticism, the harsh comments? How do you handle those things? I'm still evolving. Glenn can answer. yeah um you know sometimes i'm in my feelings it just depends on where i'm at but it's rare that i'm like you know back and forth you gotta realize that like everybody is saying something about you you know what i'm saying whether it's just one person or two people or uh, 45 or a whole comment section and so someone always has an opinion you know um that's just kind of life but some people are scared to get on the field and play. You know what I mean? And so mm. like, if you're scared to play, you can't really say nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, a, I think that's a Brene Brown quote. Yeah. But like, I think, yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I can't really get upset with people who are just, they're scared or the only thing they can do is react. You know, they can't, they don't even put their own face on camera. So. And they create accounts just to DM you. Yeah. 
They got zero followers, zero posts, zero pictures, nothing. Who they eat or they email you and, you know, yeah. and call you all types of names. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's just kind of like, thank you. You know what I mean? Just realize that like people really do feel like this. You know what I'm saying? So it's even more of a cause for you to go harder for me. You know, you know, I remember when I first started um, and I put out like my second video and that video did really well went viral. Somebody was like, yeah, he's going to leave his kids in a week. You know what I'm saying? It was like, and I was like, man, like oh first God. I was like, first I was like, man, I'm going to find this guy. Right. And I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? And then I was yeah. kind of like anger. Yeah. I was, went to anger. Then it just went to pity. And I was just like, man, like they don't even understand like how much they need a, a father. You know what I'm saying? Or the love of a father. And they've never really seen it possibly. And then some of these people are like 12. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just let them, let them go ahead and have their words, man. You know, it, it's going to happen either way. Yeah. All right. Well, we're down to the last question that we ask every couple, every interview. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love and raise a healthy family? You know, like the the logical person in me is like, we are changing the world by raising a healthy family. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it feels like it might be possible. At least that's what I try to tell myself sometimes. But I don't know. I don't know that it is possible. I, I You know, it's crazy. It's like, I think it's it gets to the point where at some point something fails or you feel like something is going to fail. Like, I think at one, I think at some point, each of our children are going to look at me some type of way because of what we do. I just know they're going to be like, yo, what the heck? You know what I mean? And I think that if that is the end of the story, then you, no, I don't think so. But I just think that in time, like they will spec, they will get it when I'm, when they're 30, you know what I'm saying? But they may not get it now. So it, it really depends on where you see your finish line. You know what I mean? I just feel like that question where I feel like we are too immature to answer that mm. in, in our, in this season, like mm. it would, it would be premature for us to do that. And I think we need more, we need more time. <laughs> she didn't ask if you're going to do it. She's saying, is, is it possible? possible? <laughs> like, is that, I think that we just have constantly struggled in this place of just like, you know, everybody always says, or you see big change makers, like big, big, people historical historically through history that you're like dang they changed the world but look at their family like or like dang like look at what uh amazing Mm -hmm. business whatever and they got you know all their side pieces like it's just a hard like it's hard to see historical examples Mm -hmm. i would say and and i would say that you you can only do so much. I think at some point you're going to have to prioritize one of those things or two of those things and let something fall. Um, you know, I, I really can't answer that. Yeah. Honestly. It's hard. Yeah. As long as it's not to love me, fool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better not <laughs> let her fall. That, that's the I way. mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, too, it's, it's a part of this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because the question is, I can answer that question and say I'm willing to do it all. But I'm not willing to do it all at the risk of her comfort. So I think that I think that if we don't get on the same page, no, we won't be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? But I think we have different priorities. And I'm not willing to risk our love for changing the world. I'll stop. Like, I'm willing to stop. And I've told her that before. You know, we can find something else. You can go back to work. You know what I mean? We can do something else. I don't, we don't have to do this. But if you're willing to do this, then it's going to take a certain amount of commitment and a certain amount of drive that I don't know if you're willing to, you know, put in. So we'll find out. <laughs> and now it's time for the breakdown. That got me a little teary eyed, that interview. Really? I got a little emotional. It was good. Yeah, they, um, they woke up really early to talk with us. We are very thankful. I did not realize that they were calling from California. They're on the call at like 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, they're wonderful. I would have been tearing, teared up if I were them on that call. <laughs> I loved, uh, there was this part where they talked about just saying like, I didn't know you could disagree with somebody and not leave. 
that idea that you can have conflict and you can be like you and I are very opposite in our opinions, but you can still stay and work it out and communicate through that. That is so important. Yeah. I mean, I, I think oftentimes people do not have a healthy view of disagreeing, you know, and they don't know how they just don't, we don't know how to, to work that. Now, granted you and I disagree about basically everything. So we've had to figure that out, but to like healthily disagree and be like, no, we can disagree about something and not, this isn't the end. Yeah. That is really what a powerful thought because that fear that, well, what if I disagree? That creates different power struggles. That creates a lot of resentment over time if you didn't work through it. Um, but yeah, humans are going to disagree. Your backstory is going to play a role in your current story. And it's going to be different than your partner's. I think, man, that is so important. But I think even with the disagreement is remembering to like close that loop. Like that loop at some point, like you're saying, has to be closed or else it will lead to this long time resentment simmering. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I fully agree with you on that. Isn't that, isn't that fitting? Fitting. Um, I, I get what you're saying, but there's things that you will never, we will never agree on. It's true. So I don't know that you can actually close the loop like, oh, that's done. Let's tie a bow around this. No, there are things we disagree on. And we have to, I guess maybe closing the loop for you might be like. We're going to agree to disagree. Yeah. Like, okay, we're never going to see eye to eye on this. Yeah. But I'm saying like, like just dropping the conversation to keep the peace is not healthy is I think what I'm saying Mm -hmm. is like, you can still have the conversation and, you know, honestly, you and I even have, you know, another conversation about it a month later, another conversation a month later and, you know, let it breathe a little bit, but we come back around to it. And at some point we do say, we're just going to agree to disagree, but I think it's It's just, it's the shoveling under the rug, like the swiping it away. Sure. Sometimes, uh, I'm having a conversation with someone else about a topic that I know that you'd be a better person to talk to because you actually kind of agree with them on it. And they're bringing it up to me to get advice or something. And I'm like, you know, you should talk to Andre about this. <laughs> Andre. <laughs> Cause I actually don't agree. You know, like, yeah. Um, anyway, and I think, I mean, there's things I love about you that are different than the way that I see the world. I think, that's an interesting place to get to is when you disagree with your partner, but you love them because they see the world differently. Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. Have you ever like thought that. about it like that? No, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Which I like. Like, yeah, you're, there's a lot of things that I, <laughs> I really think are beautiful about you that I don't think the same way. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's a turn on always. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we move on? I also yeah. really enjoyed I think he made a quote of everything isn't going to grow in this season. Yeah. You literally, I think you're reading my notes. You're oh, like pulling all my, like, what am at, I going to say in this debrief? Look at, we're the same. Look okay. at how something What were you going to say about that? Wow. First of all, you could talk about COVID season, like this season right now, that learning to accept that maybe productivity, maybe certain things are not going to be up to par and growing and extending to the length that you want it to. So there's that. Mm -hmm. But then there's just the idea of in any season, like, does everything always grow? Probably not. Like that idea of like juggling, he said, I think with that, like some things are going to fall. Some things are going to, the ball is not going to be always up in the air, but my my hair is always growing. All literally, you're making me grow up my hair. It's always growing. We're no, I think this is hard. Your hair. I think this is hard because I am constantly looking for progress. Yeah. Look, so you so want what, the measures of success. I have literally never <laughs> said that out loud. But I it's not that I want things to grow, it's that I want to be able to see progress, see us moving in some direction. So this is where you're like, hey, Jeff, you need to accept this. And I'm like, 
I don't know that I can. I'm not built in that way, but I understand what he's saying that there's definitely, I mean, especially like the first three years of kids, like when a kid is between zero to four years old, it is just like, you got to let go of something for sure. Um, But I I thought it was also interesting um, when she was talking about going, becoming a stay at home mom and that she doesn't have measures of success. Like she didn't work. You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of that same thing going, you know, this is a season where it's hard to see progress. It's hard. You just kind of got to grit through it. And you're trying to find glimpses of hope in the middle of it, probably. Yeah. And I don't know if, I mean, later, I don't know if um, he said this, but he was talking to us about how currently success for them is marriage counseling. Yeah. That was really They're cool. focusing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's what their success is going to be. And I think maybe that's the idea is like, you just have to redefine during a season, what will success look like for you? Mm-hmm. And so maybe for COVID or whatever, maybe it's rest. This is what success, if, if we can rest and focus on our family and be that, maybe that's success or, you know, but redefining it, what success is during maybe every season is important. Well, I have a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Um, I love you said being a place of discovery. Um, like constantly to be in a place of discovery because your partner is always probably changing as they had four kids. She is different than when they had three kids, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, we've heard people talk about being curious, but kind of a a constant state of discovery is another way of a great way of saying that. I really enjoy that. And then lastly, I just really, you know, we, we talk about purpose on this podcast at different times and I love his story of finding purpose in the journey, not where he began, but where he is today. And I think most of us are, we're, we, we kind of are not constantly looking for that, but I think his story is what I've seen in a lot of people's story. Like this life experience turned into a purpose. His. It was, um, it's just, I think his storyline is one that is really inspiring and should remind people if you're on a journey of trying to figure out why you exist in this world, um, to look at how over time this journey that he has been on and the journey that you are on today has the opportunity to turn into a purpose tomorrow. But also I would add to that is that his purpose is coming out of probably one of his greatest wounds, Mm. which is fatherhood. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is lighting the fire and the passion within him. Yeah. Um, so maybe that needs to be something that you self reflect and investigate and look within yourself as well as like why you're doing the thing that you're doing. Totally. Well, what a great episode. These two are a gift to all of us and he's going to be on Apple TV plus he's, he's fancy. He's famous. He's going to be, he's blowing up. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. I'm so proud of everything that they're doing. It's important. It's meaningful. And we are their greatest fans. So there you have it from Yvette and Glenn Henry. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.